this is Jeff Cobra, and we welcome you to this Disney at Play podcast. There has recently been an intensified attention drawn on Disney CEO Bob Chapek in the last month. On one end of the spectrum, the CEO has been the subject of a petition on change.org to have him removed. As of the time of this writing, some 65,000 people have signed. In truth, this petition was started a long time ago, but a week or so ago, it got feverish attention where people signed in droves. Still, that fever has temporarily subsided and 65K worth of signatures isn't much to write your Disney board about, even if a few bloggers shed light on it. Meanwhile, on the other end of the spectrum, Rick uh, Manuris of The Motley Fool suggests that perhaps Chapek should be CEO of the year, given that he has pulled through a difficult pandemic and that stock has risen 38% since he came in. So is Bob Chapek man of the year or next to be fired? We look at key issues that are working well and several that are simply not. You decide whether he should leave or whether you should buy stock. Remember that you can also check out disneyplay.com where we'll have uh, an overview of these same um, ideas and concepts and uh, some links that um, will direct you uh, towards some of the things that we're talking about today. So be sure to check out disneyplay.com and if you get a chance, uh, please uh, subscribe so that you are notified of these podcasts as they occur. Let's start uh, with the positive. After all, it's Disney. We should start with positive things. So one of the big things about Bob Chapek is that he has been very focused on new attractions and offerings at the Disney Resort. In fact, in the wake of D23 back in 2019, before we got into a pandemic, there were some 70 new attractions that Bob Chapek had put in play for Walt Disney World. Um, I can show you the link of many of these. Um, some of, uh, many of them have actually come to pass. So, you know, uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, followed by Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, followed by Ratatouille, these, the Skyliner, many of these things have come to pass. Uh, many of them are still underway, like Tron and Guardians of the Galaxy and, and others. And some of them have gone astray. Where are you, Mary Poppins? Um, or Lakeside uh, DVC. Um, and actually some, by the way, have actually come in since then that weren't even announced back in, in 2019 at D23. So... Um, if you think about many of the, th the projects, the whole, um, the whole revision of Epcot, um, the addition of Harmonious and Enchantment, which wasn't even announced back then, um, the uh, um, change out of Cinderella Castle, uh, and preparations for the 50th anniversary, Space 220, um, 
the uh, and and mind you, there are things that you know are still left to be determined. There's a play pavilion that's supposed to go where Wonders of Life is, and it's kind of been where where is that going? The festival pavilion, still kind of where is it going? Um, meanwhile, Journey of Water with uh, Moana at Epcot that's underway. New Club Cool has been put in. Where's China? The film, the China film. Um, and then you get to uh, the barbecue restaurant, which, you know, they have a building for at at uh, at Disney's Hollywood Studios, but no announcement of when it's going to open. Club 33 editions have been put in. A Star Wars Hotel, that's a biggie that's coming. Um, and many of these, like Star Wars Hotel, you might say, I'd never pay that much money or I'd never put, go through that kind of thing. But you have to... You have to respect Disney for trying some new things that hasn't been tried before. Um, big, uh, three new cruise ships coming out. Um, the fine, uh, Cirque du Soleil's uh, new show finally coming out. Um, the uh, new uh, island destination in the Bahamas uh, at Lighthouse Point. So there is really a lot that was announced. And honestly, Bob Chapek was the one in charge of parks during that time that all that got announced and was, was you know, a big part of the D23 experience. I think in truth, uh, his efforts to bring attractions, and by the way, we haven't mentioned Disneyland, the whole Marvel thing, and things going on in all the international parks. But I think all of that is probably at the heart of why he gained favor of the Disney board during this time, and which paved the way for him to eventually become the CEO. I, I think you have to, and again, I miss the thought that Mary Poppins doesn't seem to be on the slate and other things that are still missing or in question, but you have to give him credit. If you really go back to Walt Disney World, you may love Bob Iger, but Bob Iger didn't show all that much attention to Walt Disney World during his 20 years. He was really in a focus about Shanghai Disney. And and yes, there were things that, that did come about. Um, and I would actually even give Bob Chapek more of the... Um, credit for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, but but all that said and done, um, you have to, of, of all the things underway and have been added, they largely, you have to give Bob Chapek a lot of credit for that. He's been big on new attraction, and I think he'll continue to do so. The next thing I would say that um, that is in Chapek's favor is his ability to address this pandemic. No Disney CEO has had to address this kind of economic challenge, at least not since Walton Roy came upon the, the Depression back in the 1930s. It's one thing for resorts and films to slow down, but it's another thing to shut down movie theaters and parks altogether and try to figure out how you're going to make money. Um, the saving grace during that time came in the form of Disney+. Plus. Now, this is really more a Bob Iger creation, not a Bob Chapek one. But 
Mind you, Chapik has seen the writing on the wall and has worked very hard to push its ledger of creative offerings. Indeed, the rallying point uh, less than a year ago was uh, for the Disney stock. During the pandemic came when Chapik presented an overwhelming slate of upcoming shows for Disney+. Plus. Uh, that formula is working for Disney has held them over in a big way uh, during this during this period. In a recent Hollywood Reporter article, Endeavor CEO Ari Emanuel, um, whose firm uh, benefits greatly from uh, UFC's deal with the Disney-owned ESPN, talks about Bob. He says, Bob has steered Disney through one of the most challenging times anyone in our business could go through. And he did it without losing sight of their long-term objectives. Um, despite complaints from his competitors at CAA, um, Emmanuel continues, quote, our clients have a great relationship with Disney as the studios demonstrated to us how a creative, how the creative community can share in the success of new platforms like Disney Plus. So in truth, you know, and, and again, there are spotty points. There are things I wish, you know, I'm, I'm still missing the parade at the parks um, and, and other things. And, but I have to say, you know, seeing the cruise lines back in action, that's, that was not an easy thing to pull off. Um, they're still struggling with keeping the parks open this last week. It was a phenomenally strange and interesting thing at Shanghai Disney, where China's philosophy is when there is an outbreak, you control it and you don't let it spread. And so some 30,000 people were kept in uh, the park, were required to stay in the park until they were tested. They did this massive amount of testing. People had to wait hours and hours before they could leave the park. It was um, it was a messy situation. But these are the things Bob Chapek has had to deal with. This is what the company has had to deal with right now. These are not easy things. And the fact that they have somehow kind of, you know, kept going despite all of this craziness, I have to give them credit. A third thing I need to give Bob credit is his effort to identify new revenue streams. Now, I, you may you may not agree with me on this, but hang on with me on this. Um, when Chapa came in, he started trying to find all sorts of ways to create new income. And the focus, the larger focus of this, besides you know raising ticket prices, which you know has been done since for a long time. Um, came in the in in different forms. Um, it really was a focus largely on the the highest income earners, the 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 top ten percent of the top one percent of people who earn money in this world, and they're saying uh, these are the people who say, "I don't care what it costs me, I'll do it." And so all sorts of little projects came. One of them was quite humorous, but 
I have to give it a little bit of credit. If you remember, they tried cabana tents in Tomorrowland. Now, I I am not a cabana person. I don't see how you could spend hundreds of dollars having a cabana at Castaway Key. Some people swear by them, but that's a lot of money, in my opinion, for a cabana, when I can just get there early and get a, a hammock. But, um, boy, it was, you know, the, that has done well. So they said, why don't we try cabanas in the parks? Fortunately, um, fortunately, they didn't just, you know, go build something out of brick and mortar. They, they tried something more temporary in the form of some, um, some tents, um, which made Tomorrowland, for the time being, look really stupid. But, you know, I have to give Disney credit for testing things out and seeing how they work um, before you go further on. I can't, and, and, and sometimes, you know, like they say, you know, you miss 100% of uh, the shots you never take. So I don't have a problem with that. And if, you, if there are people who really want that, that's great. It didn't fan out. One thing that did pave out was Club 33. Uh, it's astonishing to me that Shanghai Disney had Club 33 before Walt Disney World had a Club 33. Now, I wouldn't pay that much money to do Club 33. I'm grateful for friends who do. But um, but there are people who do want to pay that. And they want that kind of experience, so why not offer that? If you're in charge of creating revenue streams, that makes all the sense of the world. And they were remarkably resourceful. They took three existing facilities and kind of redid them. The strangest being um, the one at Disney's Hollywood Studios, which sits on top of uh, uh, Playhouse Disney. But um, but they only had to build one of them, the one in Disney Animal Kingdom. And I think they were very, and they're very, very cool spaces, the way they've outfitted them. I think that's a great example of identifying new revenue streams. On the other hand, um, I don't mind so much that they offer high-end parking, you know, uh, to guests who want to park closer to the front of the park. I do have major problems though. First of all, I'll just say this about the high-end parking. You're, you're a fool to take it because by and large, it's saving you at best 30, three to four minutes of walking. Where I do have difficulty is, is here, the, it has become popular and a lot of people are parking and they are making money off that thing. And yet they do not open up the trams. They finally announced that Disneyland's trams were opening, but not till January. I, that is unspeakable to me. Don't, go, go. Sh if you have a labor issue, go shut down the Tomorrowland Speedway, and go open up the trams. But to not, and and I don't know that I need the trams at the studios quite yet, or even at Epcot. But Animal Kingdom, yeah, kind of. The way you're parking people out to the distance while you make uh, the high-end parking look more appealing. Yeah, I have a problem with that. And Magic Kingdom, a big time problem with that. Um, it suggests that that management is clueless as to what the guest experience is. And I have a big problem with that. And I think that is a cultural thing 
um, at the top. And I and and the buck stops at the top with we you know with JPEG. So so I like I don't have a problem with identifying new revenue streams. I have a real problem when it's poorly done and when it's done in a way where you have nearly stuck the knife and twisted it into those who don't utilize those revenue um, opportunities. Therein lies the problem. That sort of leads us to the things that are especially not working well under the leadership of Bob uh, Chapek. If there is one place where a new revenue stream has been uh, terribly received by so many on so many levels, it would be this execution of Genie, Genie Plus, Lightning Lanes, select attractions and all that is contained therein. You have to rewind the clock. Now going back to that same D23 I spoke of back in 2019, when all of those announcements were made, well, one of those announcements was Genie. Now, you don't go and make an announcement that you're doing something like Genie if you haven't already brainstormed what that might look like, if you haven't done some kind of business plan to show revenue possibilities, if you haven't done a budget for what it might look like, if you haven't really floated the idea among everyone. By the time it arrived in D23, there had already been what should have been considerable work done on Genie to a point where everybody was really good at announcing what was coming down, down the way. It wasn't a lot given, but, um, but it was announced. You should be at a point where you should be ready to go into software development shortly. And yet, for the life of me, I cannot, I cannot understand how a software application like Genie could be so poorly presented. First off, and, and this was David Zanola's idea, it should have been, it should have been laid out in pieces. First Genie then Genie Plus and Lightning Lanes, then maybe the Select. There should have been a phased entry of this. It shouldn't have been all thrown at once. And if you had thrown it in all at once, you should have really done all the homework, all the beta testing, all the piloting, because this thing does not look ready for prime time. And it already has, um, it already suffers from a perception problem now it suffers from an execution problem, which then kind of goes back to, okay, what's going on behind the scenes that has created this moment at this time? When you consider that the CIO of the Walt Disney Company left in January for what, MGM Resorts? That's not a step up in any manner or thinking. So that to me seems to suggest that there was a flag on the play. I would... I can't say for sure that the CIO was involved with this, but it's such a big rollout and it impacts the parks in such a way, not just Walt Disney World, but Disneyland and Disneyland Paris. Ultimately, all the Disney parks, I can't believe 
That individual wasn't a part of that. And the fact that the individual stepped aside suggests to me that something hasn't been going right about this. Well, it obviously hasn't gone right because it's now out there. I will say in defense of the people on the front line trying to manage it, I did end up with an email about a week ago suggesting what the problem was. If you followed my three podcasts on Genie, all three of them told you that I wasn't able to do anything on my iPhone with with Genie in terms of select passes or, or in terms of booking anything with Genie Plus. You could buy Genie Plus, but you couldn't book anything with Genie Plus. And, and as a result, um, they finally did get back to me and they figured out the problem, which was very cool. It is unique to the number of people because of programs I do. It is unique to the fact that I had a lot of previous individuals on my, on my system. But I was impressed. I was impressed that they came back to me to say, hey, this is the problem. We think we've fixed it. And indeed, they have fixed it. I'm able to now use Genie Plus. But then a question becomes, do I really want to use Genie Plus? And again, from a let's go high tech, this is not, this is not an impressive experience. Another thing that really has big flags in my mind has to do with an article that came out in the Hollywood Reporter, which kind of suggested that there was this, this, um, this positioning of Bob Chapek against Bob Iger, who is supposed to leave in December as the, uh, C, um, as the chairman of the company. And, um, apparently, uh, Apparently, Bob Iger in a in a fairly high level executive meeting, kind of, um, kind of uh, put out there his feelings around the business and around the use of data in the business, and this is apparently what was said: "quote In a world and business that is awash with data, it is tempting to use data to answer all of our questions." including creative questions, he said, quote, I urge all of you not to do that, end of quote. If Disney had relied too heavily on data, he noted, the company might never have made big breakthrough movies like Black Panther, Coco and Shang-Chi, and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Though no outsiders were present, chatter about Iger's talk soon began to seep through Hollywood. His words were interpreted as a shot at Chapek. Though a 28-year Disney veteran who most recently had overseen the theme parks and resorts, Chapek was an outsider to, in Hollywood. Known for cutting costs and raising prices, he was regarded by many with distrust, if not outright hostility. So the version of the board retreat that made the rounds had Iger showing up Chapek, who was said to have followed Iger's remarks by declaring in blunt terms that, in fact, Disney was now a data-driven company. It sent a chill through Hollywood. End of quote. Now, I wanna unpack that little piece of business for a moment to suggest a couple of things. First off, I don't have a problem 
with a CEO saying, we need to be a data-driven company. If you understand what it means to be a data-driven company. This is a this is a fodder for an entire podcast in and of itself. But the truth of the matter is, is when there is quantitative data, which is what usually data is considered, and qualitative data. There is demographic data, how many people went to the box office, how many people uh, uh, went to the parks, but there's also psychographic data, data that gets into the minds and hearts of your consumers and what they're thinking and what they're doing. The highest level of that psychographic qualitative data is simply walking in the shoes of your guests, which was the very thing that Walt Disney did. He has, even Walt gathered data and had teams of people do that. But he also coupled it with getting out in the trench and walking in the shoes of the customer. And doing that allowed him to see things you can't do just from number crunching or just from the accumulation of, um, of traditional data feeds as we might think of them. So I don't have a problem with a data-driven company. I have a problem with a data-driven company that only looks at one form of data. That is quantitative demographic data. All that said and done, the fact that we have got this thing going on between Iger and Chapek apparently is also a flag. I'm not so certain it's Iger, it's Chapek's fault though. Um, first off, Chapek was really put into this position only a week or two before the Disney theme parks closed worldwide. In fact, they were already, I believe, closing in international markets. And so this was a really terrible time to go creating a new, uh, putting in a change on CEO. And I kind of feel like somehow there's a part of me that kind of wonders if Bob Iger wasn't setting up Bob Chapek for failure by doing what he had done. Also, when he gets up and he says, hey, you know, uh, I urge you not to look at data when it comes to creative decisions, kind of sends a message, uh, you know, I really understand creativity and you may not. So, you know, be careful about going that, that route. I just think, I think there's some flags on that. Um, on both sides. And by the way, I still don't know who's the chairman of the Walt Disney Company after Bob Iger steps out. I have a problem if it's Bob Chapek. I have a problem that the CEO and the chairman are the same person. You need to have separation of powers, so to speak, so that one is supporting and one is holding accountability of the other. That is the best way to run a company. And they need to be in sync and they need to um, they need to align, but they also need you need a voice that comes to you and says, "Well, hold on a second. What do you think about this?" Or you know, that doesn't just create a group think strategy. Um, another big issue is the failure of Bob Chapek to connect with cast members, supposedly. The petition noted that it has been rumored that some former Imagineers, quote, it has been rumored that some former Imagineers have begun to pass this petition around, 
but no one has put their name to it or has come out publicly even though they are former Imagineers. So um, bloggers have said, hey, this is, you know, the Imagineers are getting people to sign and so forth, but there's no Imagineer who stepped forward. I haven't heard any name to say this is wrong and you guys should, you should sign this petition to remove Bob Chapek. Um, now, there is a big issue with Imagineers in that they, it was announced a couple of months ago that they were going to move all of Imagineering from their beloved campus in Glendale, California, over to what is Lake Nona. It's a, it's a neighborhood in the greater Orlando area, not far from the airport. Um, well, there's a couple of things to unpack in that as well. Um, the first is that um, I don't have a problem with companies making decisions to reduce costs so that they aren't, so that the overhead goes down. And frankly, the cost of Imagineering attractions has gone way over um, the pricing. I think it probably should. I don't think that's all because of Imagineering salary. And I think Imagineers deserve a good salary. But I don't think that's a bad thing. In truth, Imagineers have always been allocated to different places. We've always had an Imagineering team or have for many, a couple of decades now, an Imagineering team on site at Walt Disney World. And since it is the biggest resort in the world, it kind of makes sense to host Imagineering here. Also, California is incredibly expensive and, and there is very little space for all of the creative things you need to do. So if Disney wants to take that Glendale space and allocate it to further studio space and so forth, I don't have a problem with that. I think it actually makes sense. The, um, and by the way, I should also mention, did you know that the Walt Disney Company is the only film and television, major film studio company, movie studio company, that is headquartered in California. All the other studios, uh, Sony and um, Universal and Warner Brothers, they're not headquartered in California. They're headquartered elsewhere, New York and so forth. And so I'm really pleased because I think it is important that the Walt Disney Company be headquartered in California. But to make that viable and to make that work, you have to ask what really needs to be here. Now, there's already been other groups that have been moved from corporate that serve business functions and so forth that don't need to be here. And one of the things, and there was you know, a lot of talk about one of the particular Imagineers who had left and he was very disappointed. I am sure he's disappointed. Most Imagineers had, had grown up or gone through a great deal of, of time in their lives thinking, wishing, hoping that their dream job would be to work for the Walt Disney Company as an Imagineer. So when you have to make a choice between being an Imagineer and staying in California with your family, I can appreciate that. That is a difficult decision to make. It's a hard decision to make and I don't envy them in that particular position. But I will also tell you that 
while I don't know what was position for Imagineers, I do know that for other positions in corporate, there were a lot of nice packages given to cast members that if they didn't want to move to Florida, they would be given nearly a year's worth of salary while they looked for a position elsewhere. There were a lot, there was a pretty nice package for leaving the Walt Disney Company. There's reasons for doing that too, because newer labor is cheaper than, than labor that's been around for 10, 15, 20 years. I get that also. But try to understand that this wasn't, you know, a go or tough luck kind of thing. Probably they have been given a pretty nice situation. What bothers me about moving to Lake Nona is that they are doing it largely because they get a tax credit from the state. And so on the backs of Imagineers who may be leaving their families, the Disney company in return is getting a big, big tax credit uh, to their uh, to their organization. And I think that's kind of, again, talk about, you know, putting in a knife and twisting it. Seems a little, uh, no, well, it, I, I'm not surprised that cast members are not having a love fest with Bob Chapek at this time. That That is not a surprising thing in the least. And of course, then there are the bigger pieces. For instance, Scarlett Johansson, who filed a breach of contract lawsuit in the wake of financial performance of her most recent film, how it was distributed through Disney Plus, rather than a, um, uh, rather than a, sim a simply a conventional re uh, release. Um, they, um, what what was messy about this, is that. Um, in the wake of filing that contract, Disney usually takes these things quietly and on the inside. But instead, a Disney spokesperson said at the time of the complaint, quote, the lawsuit is especially sad and distressing in its callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. End of quote. Um, th that, that's just messy. That is really a messy statement to make. And it does suggest to me that maybe Bob Chapek isn't hasn't got the best people around him right now. Um, I do know that the former public relations head for the Walt Disney Company is on her way out. Um, so I just, I think, uh, uh, well, in that regard, CAA co-chairman Brian Large shot back at Disney saying, quote, shamelessly and falsely uh, accused Ms. Johansson being insensitive to the global COVID pandemic and an attempt to make her appear to be someone they and I know she isn't. Um, she ultimately settled out of court. They eventually turned this thing around with favorable, probably more than favorable outcomes if they had done it right in the first place with Scarlett. and includes her moving forward on, on directing a film based on the Tower of Terror. Now, I also have to say not everybody agrees that there is a problem with Bob Chapek internally. Marvel boss Kevin Feige wouldn't address the Johansson litigation, but while he's not known for discussing Disney internal politics, in The Hollywood Reporter he says, the still new CEO is being underestimated. Quote, I think he is a creative guy, a nice guy, a real guy, Feige said. Adding that Chapek's offers, quote, just enough of an opinion to give good feedback, end of quote, on early cuts of movies and shows. And in the wake of uh, Marvel's success, by the way, Bob Chapek 
had Dole Whip machines put into the Marvel offices as a thank you to their work. So I don't think he's incapable of getting and understanding that you want to build a good relationship with Disney cast members, but does he have the tenure to do it across the board and so forth? It It is a really messy situation. Whether Bob Chapek has connected or failed to connect with cast members, with actors, with those uh, who work at the Walt Disney Company, I don't think we can disagree that uh, he has failed on many levels to connect with guests. Uh, guests and Disney fans have complained about how Bob Chapek is money-driven, especially on new initiatives like Genie Plus. Let me read just one quotation that comes straight out of the petition. This from Charlotte Morgan, although it was two months ago, but he go, she goes to say he, quote, he is a greedy cheapskate who wants to bleed dry every single Disney park goer out there, and that's putting it mildly. He is trying to fix something that was never broken to begin with and worked perfectly for all fans before the original Fast Pass got removed. This idiot needs to be fired and the old free Fast Pass systems brought back ASAP, end of quote. Now, what I find interesting also is as a contrast to that, that same petition spoke quite glowingly of Josh D'Amaro, who's over the parks. The petition reads, quote, Josh D'Amaro, the current chairman of parks and resorts, has not been able to do much under current circumstances, but has been very involved in the parks, assuring quality, greeting guests, and even riding through new attractions to assure high quality. He even went out of his way to console and apologize to cast members throughout Disney World and Disneyland that were affected by the layoff, end of quote. And I would agree, he has done all of those things. But before you fire the cannon at Chapek, I think it's important to remember what Josh D'Amaro said regarding Disney Genie. In uh, an interview that he did, he said, Genie is a tool. Quote, Genie is a tool that I'm very bullish about and know will materially improve the guest experience. What our guests have asked for and what our fans have asked for is simplicity. To be able to plan easier with more flexibility and this is what we're going to deliver. End of quote. Okay, that's Josh D'Amaro being quote-unquote bullish about how good Genie is. So I have a little bit of a difficulty where all of a sudden Josh is golden boy here and Bob Chapek is apparently, you know, the arch enemy of Superman, um, according to some bloggers and, and vloggers. I, I think that's a little bit unfair and I'm not sure... I, if if this if this genie program isn't working, it's on it's on the backs of both of those individuals. If you are concerned about genie, you do not come out and say I'm very bullish. And I think Josh is now he may believe that, and and I'm okay if he believes that. 
But don't criticize and put down Bob Chapek as being a cheapskate and doing all these bad things and and the same way turn around and say, but Josh Diamaro, he's the angel and the savior of all this. I don't think that's fair to, I don't think that's fair, frankly, not only to Chapek, I don't think it's fair to Josh Diamaro. Let's be honest about the fact that the company feels very strongly about this. The company resisted for the better part of 15 years, making the FastPass system a monetary system. They introduced the FastPass system before Universal. Universal introduced it not long thereafter. And about a year or two or three after that, Universal immediately made it a system where you bought into, and Disney didn't. And Disney went a good 15 years resisting to do that. Now they have done that. But at least they actually have done what Josh has talked about. They do give a lot of flexibility into how to use the system, whether you want to use it in this park or that park, whether you want to use it in both parks on a hopper, whether you want to take select but not Genie Plus. There's a lot of, there are options in this in terms of how you might want to use it. And that's not what you get with Universal and their plan, nor do you get it with SeaWorld and their plan. So, but again, you know, I, I I get it. Bob doesn't come across as a charismatic kind of guy. Yeah, even uh, even even Michael Eisner was better at hosting the Sunday evening program, and Chapek really doesn't even have that kind of venue to you know become Uncle Bob uh, on Sunday nights. Um, I think in some ways um, the failure to connect with the guests is in part. Bob's fault, because I think you have to go above and beyond to connect with guests. Again, going back to the data-driven, it's about walking in the shoes of your guests and being out there and listening to them and and being a listening post to them, to hear them and what they're saying. Um, at the same time, I think it's, it's a PR thing and a communications thing. And it's easy to say that the, that the bald-headed guy isn't as nice as the, as the handsome, um, uh, as the handsome guy. So I, I just want to just say, I'm not happy with many things happening at the Walt Disney Company, but I'm not so certain that Bob Chapek should be ultimately ruled out and thrown out and dismissed. I think there is a window of time to allow him a chance to prove himself in a period of time that isn't so COVID-driven and to see what he really is like otherwise. Uh, there are good things he's done, but I also have to admit there are things I don't like about what's happening at the Walt Disney Company. One thing I will say though, if you think it's just become too expensive, which I have read again and again over the last many weeks and months, I'd like to remind you it's been that way since about 1984, in fact, when the Walt Disney Company was under the siege of Wall Street Wolves who wanted to buy it up and break it up and sell it in itty bitty parts. I am so grateful that is not the Walt Disney Company today. Something that belongs uh, where where Mickey belongs here and the park belongs over there and 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 
others belong. I'm glad for the big house that includes so many cool things like Star Wars and Marvel and Pixar and Disney. I love that and I'm grateful for Bob Iger for bringing so much of that into the house. At the same time, I also know that um, that there comes a price with doing all that. And since 1984, that price has been a remarkable increase in ticket prices and food and beverage and other offerings. That has been going on for a long time. And, uh, and it probably will happen for a long time to come. At any rate, I think this kind of gives you the context uh, for your decision. Should Disney CEO Bob Chapek be fired? or should he be man of the year? Should you get rid of him or should you go out and buy Disney stock right now? Thank you for joining us for this Disney at Play podcast. We've covered so much today. I hope this has given you insight. If you like the kinds of things you're hearing, whether it's a conversation about what Halloween looks like at Disneyland or whether, um, uh, new attractions and and what's happening in the parks i hope that you find value out of this podcast if you do please visit disneyatplayit.com disneyatwork.com subscribe to our website please visit itunes offer us a favorable rating thumbs up give us a review uh, if you can find some positive words to share um and finally join the wayfinder society because for as little as a dollar a month this kind of interactivity and conversation and so forth can go even further so join us there thank you for being part of this podcast and in the words of sinbad storybook voyage always follow the compass of your heart have a great day we'll see you real soon